So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 is our passage today as we continue to see the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary here in Luke's gospel account. And so would you follow along as I read verses 8 through 20 this morning to begin. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word for us and to us this morning. Let's thank him for it now. Father, we are grateful for your word, that you speak to us through your word. You challenge us. uh, You comfort us. And to this morning, as we look at your word, we see something extraordinary that's taking place in the midst of the ordinary. And we know that you still work this way, that you still do amazing things for us. And so I pray that our response is one of praising and glorifying to you. That this Christmas season uh, would be solely focused on you and you alone. That you would be the one that we adore and worship. That as the gifts are open. Uh, that those would be a little glimpses of the greatest gift that we've received. And that's the offer of salvation if we turn in faith and repentance to you. So thank you for your grace in coming to us as a baby, but in the flesh for us in your name. Amen. Well, throughout our world, tomorrow morning, there will be an excitement filling living rooms as families gather around the Christmas tree and open up gift after gift after gift. I don't know about you, but our family uh, tends to like to open up all the gifts at one time. At least that's how I grew up. I was just like, give us all the gifts, pile them all around us, just start going. Megan's family, on the other hand, is one gift. Everybody look. Everybody kind of cheer at what the gift was. Somebody has to throw out. Uh, if you don't like it, we can take it back and we can get something else. Not sure why they say that. And then it's on to the next gift. So the first Christmas that I had with her family, man, they, I was like, I've got to have like a book first that you give to me so I can read it for the next four hours because I can't handle this. But tomorrow morning... Many will open up gift after gift. Their children will squeal with delight for they've received the thing that they've hoped and longed for for years or at least the last couple months. You know, that new bike, the Star Wars collectible, special baby doll, uh, probably just you could name the latest technology that kids are craving. But the truth is soon all that excitement is going to die down. Family and friends will go back home 
The mundane of life will sweep over all of us once again. The toys, gadgets that we receive that bring so much pleasure will soon lose sparkle. They'll wear out, the batteries will die, they'll break. That next greatest life-altering technology will be introduced by Apple. So next year we'll need something else. In fact, in just a few short weeks, this whole pleasure and joy of this Christmas holiday will seem to have completely vanished into thin air. Uh, We'll even forget what we did and what happened. Because we get into the mundane of life. The 24-7 grind of life. But it's sad how quickly Christmas comes and goes, isn't it? Even though, as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, it seems to have a short, uh, a, a brief and short shelf life. Well, why is that the case? How can this most wonderful time of the year be so quickly left behind? Is it maybe because we've lost the focus of Christmas? Why did the delights of Christmas fade so quickly away? Maybe it's because many of us don't have room for the extraordinary in the midst of our ordinary routines of life. We see the monotony of ordinary life was something the shepherds of Bethlehem knew far too well. In fact, their lives could be seen as the epitome of the mundane. Their duties were both tedious and demanding. Early in the morning, they would rise and lead the flock from the fold to the pasture for the day. And that they would do day after day after day. There in the pasture, they would watch the sheep, taking care that none of the sheep would stray. And if any, for a time, would wander away from the rest, they would seek diligently until they would find and bring back that lost lamb. Since sheep require water, a big supply of water, the shepherds would have to guide them throughout the pastures, looking for streams or wells that were dug in the wilderness. While it might seem to be a simple task, remember sheep are pretty dumb, and so it was pretty arduous and tedious. Take them hours to guide the sheep from one place to another for water. Well, finally, at night, the shepherds would bring the flock home to the fold, counting them as they passed under their rod to assure that none were missing. But that wasn't the end of their day. For many, it was still labor that was happening in the, few, the next few hours. They would continue to guard the flock throughout the night. Guard the, the flock from the attack of wild beasts or maybe even a prowling thief. So it's during one of those dark nights, sleepless night, that these musty shepherds outside of Bethlehem receive this startling announcement that we just read here in Luke chapter 2. It's a story to tell for a lifetime that comes with it. Announcement like no other announcement they had ever heard. One presented to them through the voice of angels. And without a doubt, these shepherds would have been on the watch for a wolf or a thief, but but not for angels. And so you can imagine the shock and terror as Luke records here. They were terrified. It would have coursed through their veins that night as the angels surprised them in the fields. The night was silent. All they could hear is maybe the snoring of the sheep or the snoring of one of their fellow shepherds. And then all of a sudden, bursting forth, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I mean, it had been 400 years since the divine had spoken. And now here on the hillsides of Bethlehem, it's coming 
As we've seen in Luke, it's come to a priest, it's come to Mary, but now it's come to a group of scruffy nobodies, the lowest of lows. In that culture, there was nothing more normal than shepherds, just normal Joes, hard workers, but due to their working with dirty creatures, they were seen as unclean and often were regarded as untrustworthy, even irreligious and poor in reputation. In fact, According to the Mishnah, shepherds were under a ban and even regarded as thieves. The only people lower than shepherds in that culture were the lepers. See, this group of men were outcasts. And so we ask, why, why in the world would angels come to this group of outsiders and outcasts? Why would God choose to reveal this message to these supposedly insignificant men, unclean as they were? Well, because this announcement, this good news, was for them, Luke tells us. Here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, the angels proclaim this extraordinary message. Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. For these poor, bedraggled shepherds, this was a lot to take in, as you can imagine. Now, this is extraordinary news. News that should have been proclaimed to royalty hidden in the halls of a palace, but not to outcasts huddled together in a pasture outside of Bethlehem. But if we look closer into the content of the angel's message, we, it reveals to us just why God would choose this meager group of men. You see, this message was truly for them, for all people. Oh, yes, it was for the noble, but it was also for the humble. It was for the wealthy, but also the poor. Those on the inside, those on the outside of society. This child, this Savior, would bring great joy to all people, not just some. The Savior was coming for these shepherds as much as it was for anyone else, and for anyone else as much as it was for these shepherds. He was truly coming for all people. And so this extraordinary news breaks into these ordinary lives in a very unusual way. There's no planets that are formed that night. Instead, these angels announce you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. As one author writes, he says, The sign of God's fame lay in the aroma of cattle and hay, the placenta of new birth, and in the cries and warmth of ordinary life. And so it was to these ordinary shepherds that God reveals this glorious great news, this gospel that's available to all people through a simple child, a small babe lying in a manger of all places. A manger would be something, again, the shepherds would know well. See, God, in whose presence is fullness of joy, had emptied himself. He'd taken on the form of a servant, born in the likeness of you and like me, ordinary mankind. As John tells us, the word had become flesh to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. He was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. This good news of great joy was a, a person, 
Emmanuel, God residing with us. Again, this is an extraordinary message, not just for an elite group of people, but as we see here, for all people. In fact, if we were to turn just a couple pages over to Luke chapter 4, Luke would tell us an account of this child, now grown, reading from the prophet Isaiah and reading these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to who? To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, that evening, as the angels sang to the shepherds in that field outside of the little city of Bethlehem, God in his infinite love was keeping his promise. He was keeping that promise that he would bless all people through the offspring of Abraham. He was keeping his promise that this child born in a stable lying in a manger would be the one who would crush the head of the serpent, redeeming mankind to their creator. For God would love the world in this way. That he would give his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Well, God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but this child was born to save the world. You see, friends, this love that broke the stillness of that night through the chorus of angels and the baby's cry was the same love that would one day lead this child to a hill called Calvary, who would then there take upon himself the sins of mankind. See, that's why this is good news of great joy for all people. He would take upon himself your sin and my sin, not because we're so worth his death, nor his perfect life, not because we're a good catch for God, but because we couldn't pay the price for our sin on our own. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is an extraordinary message. Good news, great joy has come in the free gift of God, a gift you and I, we all need. And it's now offered to us through this child, God in the flesh, if we turn in faith and repentance. Have you done that? Have you turned in faith to Christ, to this child born in a manger, who again would one day take upon himself the cross and die for our sins, but yet rise again from the dead? Friend, child, if you're here this morning and you haven't turned in faith to trust in Christ, do so today. Receive the greatest gift of all and the one who alone can give you full forgiveness of sin. You see, this extraordinary message proclaimed that night to the shepherds is also proclaimed to us, ordinary people. Simple, some of us scruffy, some of us dirty, some of us caught up in the mundane routine of life, 24-7 grind. This extraordinary message is offered to us as well. But look how the shepherds respond to this good news. Proclaimed in an extraordinary way, this run-of-the-mill group of shepherds have to go and see what this is all about. They had to see it. And so, Luke tells us, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at, the shep- at what the shepherds said to them. You can picture it in your mind as the shepherds step into the stable. They find exactly what the angels had announced. And the reality of the extraordinary begins to sink in. The promised Messiah was here. Good news of great joy for not just a certain group of people, but for all people. He's lying in the manger right in front of their eyes. And like anyone whose reality is suddenly shattered by the extraordinary, they have to make it known. And so, Luke tells us, they go and tell all that they had heard and what they had just seen. You see, this extraordinary message inspired and motivated a rather ordinary mission for these shepherds. So while Luke records for us in verse 19 that Mary is treasuring up all these things in her heart, and meditating on them, what I find most remarkable in this passage is found in verse 20. A simple statement that perhaps in all your years of hearing and reading the Christmas story, maybe you've just glanced over. Maybe you've missed this. It's actually quite unexpected. It's not the end of verse 20. We expect that they would glorify and praise God for all the things they have seen. But it's that simple word, the beginning of verse 20, the shepherds returned. They returned. Now where do they return to? Where were the shepherds just at? Well, they were in the pastures with their sheep. According to Luke here, after beholding and participating in this extraordinary event, this group of mediocre shepherds returned to just ordinary life. They returned to shepherding sheep. I mean, that statement should baffle us. Because if you're like me, and it baffles me, if you're like me, I'm looking for something else, like a book deal for the shepherds, right? Selling t-shirts, like we were the first ones to see the Messiah, the King of Kings, us out there signing autographs. But they just simply returned. They go back to their ordinary lives. Why? Why not strike the book deal? Why not capitalize on their experience? Why just go back to the mundane lifestyle of watching sheep? Well, as one author writes, because right here, God's grace disrupts us. By the means of the shepherds simply returning, God seems to be implying that seeing God's glory, hearing his voice, even receiving his good news and beholding his love was never meant to deliver us out of ordinary life. Instead, it was meant to provide the means to preserve us in our ordinary lives. You see, the shepherds, hearing of God's glory, seeing it in the person of Jesus Christ, it didn't deliver them from their ordinary life. Instead, it provided the means to preserve them in their ordinary life. The message these shepherds received that night was not designed to remove them from the monotony of the pastures, but rather provide them a means to sustain them there. And so they return. But they don't return as just the same old scruffy nobodies. They return as changed individuals. 
empowered to be witnesses of this extraordinary message. So that's exactly what they do. They take this message into their ordinary lives and they share it with others. They share it with others and it says, Luke tells us, that all that heard these things were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And so embedded here in this Christmas story is a simple principle that we often overlook, but we really can't miss. That God uses ordinary people to proclaim his extraordinary grace. He uses shepherds to declare the good news of great joy to all people. He uses the poor and the outcast. He uses normal Joes to proclaim extraordinary grace and love in Jesus Christ. Oh, he doesn't call all of us to be <clears throat> Paul. He doesn't call all of us to be King David or Moses. No, most often the way God works is that he would send his ordinary messengers, shepherds, <clears throat> stay-at-home moms like Jochebed, Moses' mother, even slaves like Philemon, ordinary people who return the ordinary day after day after day humdrum of life. But people who have been changed, changed by the extraordinary love, now empowered to be witnesses of this extraordinary good news of great joy, to all people. And so this morning, friends, church, here in this story, I want each and every one of us to hear that God in his infinite wisdom chooses to use ordinary people like you and like me. He chooses to use mothers, accountants, county sheriffs, painters, salesmen, students, children, to proclaim Extraordinary news. As they live lives marked by great joy. As we live lives filled with glorifying and praising God for all we have seen and heard. And so may it be our prayer, may it be our experience that as ordinary people who have come face to face with extraordinary message and nature of Christ in the gospel, that we would return. Oh, it might be Tuesday morning, you have to return to the humdrum of selling cars, painting, taking care of the children now that they're off their sugar high from Christmas. But return to the ordinary and take this extraordinary message of great joy with you. Let it preserve you there. Let it motivate and inspire a life filled with great joy, marked by great joy, filled with glorifying and praising God. Let us not be people who come, become so quickly submerged with the coming tide of ordinary life, the routine. Instead, let's take this message into our ordinary lives. Let it produce wonder and amazement in ourselves, but also in all, in all those who see and hear God's amazing love through our voices. So as the shepherds return, Luke tells us in verse 20, they glorify and praise God for all the things they have seen and heard, which they were, were just as they had been told. May that be said of us. 
this Christmas season. We celebrate. We find great joy in Christmas. But we return, and we turn with that good news, that great joy for all people. So, Father, this morning, pray that this short time in your word would be a challenge to each and every one of us. And the challenge would reside in how we have seen you declare this good news to ordinary nobodies. And how even each one of us in our respective places in life feel rather ordinary, feel like nobodies, just normal Joes. But you have given this good news great joy to us. And so may we return. Return to our normal lives after tomorrow, but return as truly changed people marked by great joy because we have met a Savior. We have been given the greatest gift of all. We have been given you you reside in us, you empower us to declare, proclaim this good news to all people. And so make us ordinary people who are filled with joy for your glory and your name. Amen.